is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is Media Match, a roundtable of Cowboys insiders dropping wisdom and offering sizzling takes on the current state of your Dallas Cowboys. Now your host, Steve Dennis. It's a bonus Wednesday. That's what Coach McCarthy called it uh, on Monday. A bonus Wednesday. The bad news is, though, tomorrow's a workload Thursday. So let's enjoy the bonus Monday. Do you feel everybody out there like it's a bonus Wednesday with the Monday night game? My name's Steve Dennis. Welcome to Media Mash. We're here every Wednesday and Thursday from 4 to 5. And after the first couple of weeks, I don't think we no longer need the self-introductions. We can just say Mashoda. From The Athletic is here, Rob Phillips from DallasCowboys.com and all other Cowboys media is here, and Slater, who I mistakenly called a star last Thursday. I called her a media star. Mistakenly. Mistakenly, because hmm. she, she's late. She just thinks she can just come and go as she pleases. That's she's, what stars do, though. Yeah. Appa- well, yeah. You know? Abs- well, prima donnas do it. <laughs> Fashionably. But <laughs> She'll be here. I've never... I've ne- I told her this, and Clarence hated it, by the way, when I called her a star. Uh. A media star. I don't believe in media stars. <laughs> I think that ESPN tries to create media stars, and that's really not what we do, is it? Or No, 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 you're right, but I, I just found it funny you said because that... It absolutely seems like something that would draw Clarence off sides. Like, Anything draws here. Clarence yeah. off sides. What do you mean, star? What do you mean? <laughs> but, uh, First of all. It's uh, it's a bonus Monday. All right, so. <laughs> you never get a second no, of all. No, it's never it's always, second of all. It's, it's always first, first of all. all. Yeah. Sorry. Go yeah. on. Jane is a star. She is a media star. All right, let's start with this. They avoided 0-2, which uh, doesn't change my opinion. I can only speak for me. If they would have lost that game, and it's much better they didn't, I would feel the same way. Uh, it was a very impressive game, I thought, by the Dallas Cowboys. Really nice that they got the win, even though the last 10 seconds probably drove you Cowboys fans nuts. See, I loved McCarthy on Monday explaining that, by the way. Somebody asked him, um, it was Archer that asked him, what is the edge of being in field goal range? He goes, what do you mean? They just have a number. The number was 40. So that means we're in range. Fans don't think that way. Get eight more yards for crying out. Cowboys fans were on their knees. Run another play. Get us closer. But they're just nice and relaxed about it. He was matter of fact. We we were in field goal range. Isn't that odd? Yeah, you can say that because the field goal went in and it's happy win, you know, win Monday, whatever. So... Yeah, everything can kind of, you know, oh, ha ha, you know, yeah, we were in field goal range, whatever, but like, just take, t- forget Greg's, Zerline's rough start in week one. Uh, I don't know that 56 yards, you're you're just setting up for that with Adam Venetieri in his prime. I don't, I, I mean, Justin Tucker, I don't know if you're just right. like, oh, no, 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 56, 58, 60, 64, that's fine, that's close enough. Like, well, let's just kick him out there. And, and for you to say, to start this off by saying that you didn't care regardless of the outcome, I find that hard to believe because they missed that thing. <laughs> Let's say he shanks it real bad, like it's not even close. Okay. They go to overtime and lose. There's no way you're going, no, I, what? they played good, just like the you know, 0-2, whatever. This place Win- is atomic this Absolutely. Week. No, because win- winning is everything. We, we all know that. Especially, my- especially when it, it would have been avoidable. Yeah. That's- my whole point is it wouldn't have changed my opinion. I expected them to start 0-2. 
And oh, okay. I, I and you. I still think they can be a good football team, regardless of that. Now, one and one is tons better because because now it may be four and one or five and one. And oh, and two now you know you're right. You're panicking. Everybody's panicking uh, that you guys are tougher on them this week when you're talking to them. So it changes everything. Um, but they they did avoid it. Uh, I thought it was a very impressive game by the Cowboys. I think that. The Chargers ruined a pretty good game by their quarterback with all the, what did, uh, what did Coach say, the active officiating? That's a good way to put what it. What was his exact quote? Believe, that sounds right. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. um, which I got a kick out of. But I'm going I'm to start by asking this because we do have things we need to mash up today uh, involving players and their performances and what does it mean going forward and all that. Um, so who are you most impressed with and, and from this game? I want you to think about a guy because there are legitimate candidates. I mean, that's how good a game this was, I believe, for the Cowboys. You could go... Micah, you could go Tony Pollard, Terrence Steele, Zach Martin, Dan Quinn, Greg Zerline, Trayvon Diggs, J. Ron Curse. I mean, there's legitimate candidates on who you are most impressed by. Rob, you go first. Uh, besides the obvious, I'll give you Micah, Johnny, if you want Micah. I'll, I'll go with Jaron Curse because they signed him in the offseason as primarily a special teams guy who has started, I think, 12 games in his career for a couple different teams. And now all of a sudden, he's playing every single snap on defense, and he's playing all over the field. They got him playing deep. They got him playing in the box, covering tight ends. Should have picked off a pass, got robbed on that. Um, he's, he's changing kind of the dynamic of what they're doing back there through two games. They didn't have Donovan Wilson, so that's one reason why he, didn't, why he played as much as he did in that game. But Dan Quinn talked about it. We can do a lot of different things with kind of this three-safety package. It's an interesting wrinkle, and it's something that I don't think anybody expected in training camp. It's two games, but it's it was impressive. And in reaction to that, uh, it's very rare, and McClay is probably going to storm down the stairs and come after me here. But you're talking about three cheap free agents that with Hooker, Curse, and KZ. And, man, all three of them. Uh, made an impact in this game, and Hooker's going to get better. They, all of a sudden, they're going to have trouble figuring out which two should be on the field, aren't they? And sometimes three. Yeah, yeah and, and another part of that, obviously Will deserves the credit for bringing them in, but the coach and the coaching staff have to put those players in the position to be successful. And I don't know how much that has happened in previous years. And I know it's only been two games, but I really get that feeling out of Dan Quinn. Like, there's a lot of adjusting from week mm-hmm. to week. So, because of that, I, and, and I'm sorry, but I do have to go with Micah Parsons. Yeah, you got to. And, Somebody and, does. And, and, and I do think it's important to note, too, that the majority of his damage was against Storm Norton, who was their right tackle. Not when Orlando he, Pace. Yeah, 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 when he was going against Rashawn Slater, he wasn't having that success. But it's also, you need to remember that, and Micah just said this, I think he said it even today, was that, you know, he went in there with finding out on Wednesday, hey, I'm going to be an edge rusher. So it was really like told to him, speed rush. Use your, use your quickness, get up, get up hill and, and, or downhill and go after him. There wasn't a lot of like, yeah, he did hand movements and different things like that. But just keep in mind, like 
DeMarcus Ware wasn't a finished product in like year 10. Like when you're an, an elite edge rusher, you're constantly adding to your craft and that. Micah Parsons isn't even doing a lot of that stuff yet. Now he's doing some of it, including with DeMarcus Ware. They, they did a little bit in before the season started. They're supposed to do some more, he said today. Um, but there's just so much more that he can add to his game. And so to just go in there is such a raw, oh yeah, I haven't rushed the passer consistently for an entire game since high school, and have that success that he did. And again, doing it in a way that Dan Quinn came up with this game plan, and, and you had success with it. It wasn't like, oh, well, we're just going to do what we did the week before, the week before, the week before. It was something completely new, and you had success. I mean, that's really encouraging to see that. All right, let's not react to that yet, because that's going to be the rest of the segment. Uh, what are they going to do with Micah? What should they do with Micah? Because to me, and you're right about everything you said, this changes everything with what they can now do with DeMarcus Lawrence out. Um, Gregory's coming back, but but D-Law is going to be out for a while. So we'll discuss that in a minute. And by the way, I never did incriminate uh, I, I, I didn't get the negative comment I had. Three for three on cheap free agents is rare for the cow. Usually, <laughs> usually hey. hit on one or. But I mean, my gosh, what a successful group! You're not, you're not <laughs> wrong. I mean, look, they, and they'll tell you this. Look, they made a lot of free agent decisions last year, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Almost nothing worked out. Right. I mean, I mean, there were what three guys that they signed that by midseason were off the roster. They yeah. traded Everson Griffin. They they cut two other players. So far, so good. I got a hunch coaching has something to do with that, though, as Michelle just said. Oh, for sure. For sure. I love listening to Dan Quinn on Mondays, by the way. To just real quick piggyback off what Johnny said, like I agree with you about Dan. And and I noticed it from the first time we got to talk to him was the night of the draft. Finally, we got to talk to him. And he was asked about certain guys that he has not even worked with yet, Osa Digizua. And he had clear plans, like nickel rush, that kind of stuff. I never got that sense, and it was on conference calls and stuff, but from Mike Nolan last year. It just, there just seems to be this clarity on knowing exactly what I want for my scheme. And I, I didn't get that sense as much last year. But even before that, even even the previous re- regime before that, I felt like there was a lot of, this is what we do. Right. The pieces have to fit what this does. Yes. And now I feel it's more of, give me the best pieces. We'll find a way to kind of work these pieces together. And and I just like that from week to week, that even covering the team, I honestly don't feel like I, I know exactly what the game plan is going to be. And again, it's only been two weeks and this stuff can change. But there's just a little bit of that I, I'm already seeing where it's like, no, I'm going to move a guy here. I'm going to move this. We're going to do this different. And those are the type of little things that like keep a team off balance when you're playing them from week to week. And, and to be honest with you, that's one of the biggest things that everybody will talk about about Bill Belichick and why he's had so much success is because from week to week, nobody changes a defensive game plan like Bill Belichick has for the last 20 years. And that's and obviously having Brady helps uh, a lot, but that's been a key piece of their success as well. So when you start to see that uh, on Sundays, and again, only two weeks, but it, it's interesting and it's intriguing. People used to ask me why did I love Bill Parcells' news conferences so much? Because the man knew what he was talking about and if you sit there you learn every yeah. sentence that comes out of his mouth and Dan Quinn has some of that. There is some of that. Yeah you yes. sit there, well, I don't sit there, I'm watching it online but you uh, you learn and he does it so easily. He's telling you little things about what he's going through with his defense and you're going wow okay. Yeah, I mean, you're learning and Quite a switch. And you're right about Marinelli. Marinelli was a great motivator, and all of his players overachieved, but that doesn't mean that the scheme was always great. And he didn't have that part of it uh, where he needed it. All right, you guys are both wrong, by the way, because the most impressive 
performance of all was Terrence Steele. I mean, you, we talked about it last week. What he did to Joey Bosa, who is arguably a top five pass, top five, right? Yeah, for sure. Both sure. Bosa's are in the top five. Yeah. Uh, I thought Terrence, again, it changes everything because Lyle Collins is going to be out for a minute. And if he can stand up to Bosa on the road like he did, wonderful performance. Has to be him. But then you can go right next to him. What about Zach Martin? I mean, do we just take him for granted? Oh, what? yeah. That's, that's what happens with Zach. I feel like he's going to have this Hall of Fame, you know, Ring of Honor career, and you're going to just look back and be like, yeah, I kind of took that thing for granted. I, I mean, at a much lower level, not comparing the two, but a much lower level, I'm sure Cowboys fans listening to this will think the same thing about uh, uh, Dan Bailey and the kicker situation. Uh, for several years there, it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, if we can field orange, we'll be good. We got Dan Bailey. And, and well, there it was, was like true. Another, which it was, yeah, but yeah. you kind of take it for granted. But Zach is over a much larger sample size where it just like. Just you ridiculous. Just, yeah, you just said, well, of course Zach was good. Oh, oh, well, on one play, he was holding uh, off one guy uh, with a right arm and another guy with a left. Yeah, of course, it's Zach Martin. That's what, just what he does. Overlooked from the day he got drafted. Yeah, I mean, because he's so quiet, and he wasn't he wasn't Johnny Football. Yeah, that, that was where it, where it started, and he did help on Terrence Steele. There were some combo blocks in there, and there was an entire drive that it, I th- I swear the huddle had to be just run behind Zach. Hey, and, and, and to that point, props to Terrence Steele because everything I've heard behind the scenes is that he just it just does what Zach does. I mean, we're talking the weight room, the way he prepares off-season, stuff like that. He was basically like, I'm going to do whatever Zach does, and it sounds like a pretty decent person to follow. Oh, the, sure. old, the old Witten method, where you, you come in here and learn from Witten if you're smart. <laughs> yeah. I like that. All right. Um, I, we learned today, apparently, that uh, Micah Parsons is a wild bull with a photographic memory. True? Is that what you guys learned today? I learned that, but... And I shouldn't say I learned it because he's always he's got that personality. We could tell from the day he was drafted. Actually, even before that, in that one the show they did, Hey Rookie, leading up to the draft. Yeah. And I mean, he owned that show. I mean, he's a big personality. So when you know that you're going to talk to him for about 10, 15 minutes, the idea that you're not going to get at least one good quote out of him is is pretty slim. So uh, that's the fact that uh, you know the part I really liked is is when he said that. There, are, he's right. He wants to be out there in games where basically, you know, when he when he's not playing defensive end because obviously they're rotating him out. You're not going to play every snap at defensive end. He wants to then when they rotate him out to like no. Instead of going to the sideline, let me play linebacker on these, which Dan Quinn doesn't want to do because I mean you're going against beasts up front. It's a lot different than playing linebacker, so you have to you know manage their snap count and things like that. He wants. To, for an entire game to just be okay, I'm gonna rush on on the edge, and then when I'm not doing that, put me back at linebacker, and then and then when I'm not playing linebacker, put me back on the edge. That's when it came into that quote about you know being a wild bull, and and you don't you don't because it was like don't you need to pace yourself? He's like I don't need pace, you know you don't pace a wild bull, you let a wild bull run. He yeah. also dropped the Terminator reference too, he did. I believe. Yeah, he did. He he drops a movie reference every time. I feel like we talk to him, which I love. This I quote movies. That's how I talk, basically. All right, here comes the question. Now, Clarence E. Hill Jr., who will be on Media Mash tomorrow, asked the question um, already this week. The quote from the defensive coordinator was, "He loves to run and hit people. That is his superpower." And then the question was, "Why wouldn't you play him at defensive end?" period right now with, with D-Law out. And I, I think that's a great question. Your depth is at linebacker. Jalen and Layton both played better. Uh, now you've got Keanu Neal going through something right now. But Jabril Cox is coming up right behind him. 
Why wouldn't you just put him at left defensive end until right. D-Law comes back? Then I'm, I'm going to answer this by giving a question to you guys. Um, what if, and I'm not saying this is the po- this is the case, but I'm going to just throw out a hypothetical scenario here. What if you're dealing with the difference between being a Hall of Fame linebacker or, let's say, a five- or six-time Pro Bowl edge rusher, where you're a really good edge rusher, but you're not quite at that, you know, the elite of the elite level where you're going to Hall of Fame. Or you play linebacker, and you're one of the best. You're Bobby Wagner. You're going to the Hall of Fame. Like, which would you rather have? And I think it's interesting to put it that way because I can see both sides of it. Why wouldn't you want a Hall of Famer? But the other part of it is the game that you play nowadays is rush and cover. And you're kind of like, man, I would kind of rather have the Well, Because it just seems like it's harder to find those. I'm going to jump in and answer first, Rob, and then you go. He said his superpower is running and hitting people. The the person you want to hit is the quarterback. That's why defensive ends make ton money and linebackers don't. Uh, that That is the premier position or one of the quarterback, D-end, uh, top two. Um, now, you're saying that he's not going to be a Hall of Fame rusher. I'm say- oh, I know. I'm just going to hypothetical. If, what would you pick oh, out of those two? Because okay. I'll be honest, the answer to the question, Dan Quinn thinks that he can do both at a high level. So he doesn't want to just be like, we're just going to put you at D-end and that's going to be it. He wants to utilize. And when he said the superpower, I think he meant rushing and covering on the back end like you don't want to take that away because he's so elite at that so why not have this piece like we just got done talking about how he can every week change his defensive scheme why not have this piece be like every single week whoever we play they're not going to know where this guy's lining up you know last week we might rush him 50 times this week we might only rush him five times because we're going to use him in this variety of ways and that's the chess piece that every single week is going to make the difference about our defense because not only can he do all this but he's our best defensive player and he's the one that the opponents have to game plan for i think there's a yes i think there's a balance between what he did in week one and what he did last week week one he rushed 12 times as either as a blitzer or lining up at the left or right edge like you said last week, nothing but rushing, and I was, you know, I I was surprised to look at the stat sheet afterwards and be like, he only played thirty nine snaps, and he was awesome in those thirty nine snaps. I selfishly, I'd like to see him do more of that because that was so much fun to watch. And there are going to be tougher tackles that he faces than a backup swing tackle. But to Johnny's point, let him get some reps, and I think he'll get better at it. Um, I I think it's based off of matchups. I think for this particular matchup. There might be more value in having him off the ball spying Jalen Hurts because he's a 4-3 guy that can prevent their quarterback from getting out of the pocket and creating havoc that way. I think it's based off matchups potentially, but I think there's a balance where game to game you're going to see him do a little bit of both because he's too good at everything. He's good, you know, you can put him out on the sideline and cover a running back, tight end, even a wide receiver at times. There's too much that you can do with him to me that you just limit him to one thing. Well, it reminds me a bit of Demarcus Ware, who, by the way, made the Hall of Fame list today. What was it, 122 of them? Isn't yeah. that a lot? Is it usually that many? I don't, yeah, starting I, out. I don't Is follow it? that closely, but with him, I just, I don't know. I don't yeah. even think that's a, like, when I it was like, yeah, of course he's going to be on there. Of course he's going to But my get, point yeah. is, nobody cared if he was a linebacker or a defensive end. Uh, if he was playing the 3 4 or the 4 3, nobody cared. Uh, Demarcus had a skill. He could get to the quarterback, and he could also drop and cover, maybe not as well as Micah, but we've only seen Micah for a short time here. Right. I don't care if he's a linebacker or a defensive end. His skill needs to get to the quarterback. That is the skill the league covets the most. And we're looking at two games here. Cowboys get zero sacks against Brady. 
They get two in this game. Micah changed the game. May have won the game. They don't with they, his sack. Yeah, we talked about it on talking earlier. I don't. They don't win that game without eight pressures and a sack that costs them points. I, I don't think they win the game without his contributions. And how fast he closed on that. Herbert thought he had time to throw it away. And Micah was right in his face. Just whoop! He just, I couldn't believe it. I watched it eight times in replay. He just hit a gear. And Herbert went, oh, damn. You know, and then, you know, whether it was a penalty or not or whatever. So was, you, you never want to see him off the ball ever again. Well, I with D-Law out. Okay. It's kind of what I'm saying. At now, least until then. Yeah, when, when your when your all pro defensive left end comes back, then do what you need to do. But yeah, you want that presence on the other side of Gregory in this game and well, in every game going forward. Well, even when Lawrence comes back, like especially on third downs, I want Lawrence moving inside, and I want Micah Parsons rushing on the outside of him, so that you're you're going with your 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 front is going to be Randy Gregory on one one end, Micah on the other end, Demarcus on the inside, you know, causing havoc with yeah. Osa or, or another another when Neville Galmore gets back. I think you really got a lot of opportunities there. I will say, from watching the all twenty two of these first two games, it, it kind of just dawned on me that I was like, I can just see defensive coordinators or offensive coordinators watching this and. In, in the last game, mentioned in the plays that you guys said, the Justin Herbert sack being the key one. But I can even see them watching that Bucks game and, and watching that pass out in the flat that just barely went over his he- head and got it, got to Leonard Fournette. And I see these, these offensive coordinators watching and go, yeah, Tom Brady completed that because he's Tom Brady. Is our guy going to be able to complete that? Because if it's just another, maybe even a half a foot off, Mike is intercepting that and possibly returning it for t- And that wrecks that game, too. Like, they are game planning for him whenever they're going to go against the Cowboys because he is the guy that can wreck the game. He is the guy that they're going to have to do whatever they have to do. It starts with, okay, what are we going to do if this 11 is a linebacker? What are we going to do when he rotates over an edge? What's our plan going to be? Because we're going to need to help out our right tackle if that's the case. And it just it's interesting to talk about because, let's be honest, how many times have you talked about that, about the Cowboys defense over the better part of the last decade? None. Probably not since DeMarcus. I mean, where? Yeah, when you have a player like that, and by the way, a defensive coordinator that will be smart enough to figure out how to help him wreck a game. Um, yeah, That's that, true. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, that's very exciting. I mean, it, it's just like having Dak on the other side. I mean, when you've got those kind of game changers, that, that you're right, that the other team is in meeting rooms trying to fill, oh man, what are we going to do about this problem? And Quinn compared him to Michael Bennett, not because of the way they play, but the fact that when he got Michael Bennett in Seattle, he told Michael, hey, we think you can really help as a three technique, like nickel defensive tackle, like on top of being an edge rusher. And, and it caught Bennett a little off guard. And he was like, all right. And if you look at Michael Bennett's career, three-time Pro Bowler, he did a lot of stuff, moving inside, moving outside. And there wasn't a lot of guys that could do what he did, being able to play those multiple positions. And so Dan Quinn is kind of comparing that with like Micah Parsons. So to your point, I think it, the defensive coordinator matters too because there are probably a lot of defensive coordinators who be like, nah, let's just leave him at linebacker. Nah, let's just leave yeah. him at his edge rusher. Or you decide in training camp and early in the season, uh, he's not ready for all that. You know, True. like like I just I don't want to overload his. But he play. cleared that up Monday when he said that I wouldn't have made him do this if he, if I didn't think he could handle it. Right, Dan has has pushed him from the moment he got here, and and he's responded and shown him don't yeah put it. And Micah says that like put it on me. I want to play every snap. I want to play everywhere. That's that's kind of player you. Got. Such a rare dude. Yeah. He has fun with it. I mean, on hard knocks, he's what what do you mean I'm not playing? You know, I. 
he, he doesn't care about how much is going to be on. He wants it all on him. You know, he reminds me of number four on the other side. Same way. Yeah. Just put it. I don't care. Put it all on me. When you all watch right. him go, real quick, when you watch him go against Rashawn Slater, though, it, I mean, I know it's way too early to predict this, but, man, this draft has a chance of being like that 2014 draft where, like, yeah, you didn't have a top 10 pick as the Cowboys, but Zach Martin was still there. And if you didn't have Zach Martin, you are going to get Ryan Shazier. And, like, they were hoping for Aaron Donald. There was all those guys that kind of kept falling there. O- Odell Beckham was there. You look at the way this draft came, and, you know, you have uh, it's Patrick the, Sertan yeah. falling to, like, f- to nine. You have you have Micah. You have Rashawn Slater. Uh, uh, Devontae Smith, who they're obviously going to play against uh, with the Eagles. Justin Fields. Like, you know, everybody always talks about, like, oh, if you're not in it, you got to tank because you need one of those top five picks. And this could be one of those drafts yeah. where they were kind of in the sweet spot of, like, well, whatever you kind of did there, whether you got Sertan or True. Horn or, or this guy or Slater, you were probably going to be in a decent position. All it's right. the non-quarterbacks who have stood out so far. And give Justin Fields time. Give Trevor Lawrence time. But yeah, to your point, you're right. he starts this week. The Fields mm. era begins in Chicago. Uh, Rob Phillips, John Machota, we're still waiting on Slater. She's getting her teeth aligned. See, that's <laughs> oh, what you outed her. That's what beautiful people do. They have to worry uh, about. Look at these teeth. Anything I give a damn? Look at, look at this. Come, coming up next, and I hope Slater makes it in the next few minutes because I heard her uh, on Twitter discussing this in one of the. Uh, video things that she does. Uh, she was already talking about money ramifications of booting Zeke. Mm. I mean, people are going, okay, enough of Zeke. It, Tony's the guy that's next here on Media Mash. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions and a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Back to Media Mash. Back. 
back on Media Bash on this Wednesday. Bonus Wednesday, according to the coach, so we're excited about it. Monday night game against the Eagles, as they say in Philly. The Eagles. Um, Cowboys with three straight at home. Man. Yeah, I'm thinking 4-1 four, four and one now. After I was thinking 0-2. 0-2 <laughs> to 4-1. Yeah, I went from 0-2 to 4-1. To uh, but I would have said they'd have been 3-2 and two anyway. Or what would that be? Yeah, that would be 3-2 and two if they were 0-2. But, uh, all right, this discussion really intrigues me. And, by the way, the text message, uh, the, the newly aligned... Toothless, tooth one, toothless, uh, toothless. Oh, there, here she comes. So uh, she she hustled in here. All right, give let's us a big see, smile. Let's see what let's we see get done here. Oh, look at there. There it is. Yes, he, he almost happened. said toothless just a minute ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't think of the right word. Toothful. Talk about the timing on yeah, that. She got extra yeah. teeth. Dennis, she got more teeth put in. That. More teeth. I, I, yes. outed, I outed you, by the way. I hope I hope that wasn't private information, but uh, I, I think your audience deserves the straightest possible teeth you can give them, Jane. So. Steve, it's not just about keeping up with storylines, it's appearances as I get older. So, thanks for understanding. I called Yeah, her. I look ridiculous, okay? No, I might even have to take him out because I, I called like her I've vain a in a text. No, you, gotta, you gotta keep him in. And she yeah. says, Yeah, what did you say? Yeah. I probably I, thought the song was about me. Yeah, she 1971 <laughs> reference. You wouldn't have made that reference. I wouldn't have. To so. be clear, it was in um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Kate Hudson. Carly Simon, nice. 1971. Yeah, she brought it back. Nice. All right, we're back. Slater's here with the NFL Network, of course, uh, taking care of all those cosmetic things that makes her such a hit on television, I suppose, or some of it, uh, what makes her a hit. I, I saw you on Twitter. Uh-huh. You were That's scary. It was you and Bobby, so it, it must have been your podcast today. Okay. Um, you, you were already doing the configuration of what, if you booted Zeke, it would cost him. And I thought, and I said, wow, wow. Now, their plan, The Long Road, which is close to an Eagles album, The Long Road, uh, uh, playing the duo with Zeke and Pollard, man, some people were on this when Pollard was a rookie, and they were wrong. Yes. Can we all agree on that? Yeah. Those people were wrong. Yes. But right now, those people are right. Okay. So, Pollard needs more touches. Yeah. He's getting more touches. He's getting them. He played 21 snaps. He got 13 carries. Yeah. It's almost 50 I think he had split. 16 touches in, out of those 21. It was almost like when Tony Pollard's on the field, he's going to touch the football. Now, now, I, now you're right. He did double up. Zeke doubled him up on snaps. Understand, counts. when I was doing a show at Kalashaw, every time Zeke's name came up, that's my running back. That's what I would say to him. He's my running back. But all I'm saying is that discussion, which was so premature when Pollard was a rookie and everybody was mad at Zeke because he was in Cabo uh, expecting a 90 – oh, wait, he got that $90 million deal. Um, now it is a valid conversation. And, we, and we're not dummies. We understand that most of Zeke's runs are inside – he is that kind of a runner, and all of Pollard's runs are on the edges. That makes a difference. That's why he's got a 7.7 average, and Zeke is 3.9 right now. That So you have to understand that. But I'm wondering if we could have this talk without being a little negative about Zeke. Okay, so the reason why... Bobby and I got into it because that's all I hear about it. And I knew that once Kellen Moore employed Tony Pollard in that game and you saw his burst, and I think he had, what, 8.4 yards per carry, mm -hmm. of course we're going to be talking about it. Um, I even went to the NFL Network, our research department. I was like, give me some high-level stats while I reached out to a number of offensive coordinators in the league. And I said, how can I 
talk about this. It's interesting to note that Pollard has faced a light box, six or fewer defenders, on 62.5% of his rushes. Now, that makes a lot of sense because typically you're going to be focused more on guys like Zeke or uh, focused on the on the passing game. When both running backs have faced non-loaded boxes, though, this is interesting, seven or fewer defenders, Pollard has outperformed Elliott. Now, I would argue sample size-wise, then give me some numbers. So, again, statistics... You guys know how this works. You can work the numbers as as, as good as you want, but the best I, I explanation, used to be really good at that. right? The best explanation <laughs> I can give when talking to people again smarter than me, offensive coordinators, I've had some say, "Running backs grow on trees." Basically, you can find them. Look what you found, Alvin Kamara, in what the fourth round. You found Tony Pollard late. He was a mid rounder. You can find other running backs. I would just argue that he, that Ezekiel Elliott, is a more complete back. And this talk about moving him off the roster, to your point, you can't do anything about the deal. I mean, I was told repeatedly that Todd Gurley didn't deserve Todd Gurley money. And then the year after that, Todd Gurley, the Rams didn't think he deserved that money. And then Atlanta picked him up. And if you go and ask Atlanta, would they do the deal again for Todd Gurley? No. But you can't move Ezekiel Elliott off this roster. I think only the The ones... dead money is Tony, Tony Romo quality right. dead money. And I think only the ones that loved Pollard so much because they were mad at Zeke would want to do that anyway. We're not talking about him not being on the roster. I think there's I people think. who don't study contracts that think that you can move Zeke and get something for him. And I'm like, let me explain to you how this works. Like it's Madden. Right. Another yeah. team physically has to pick up his contract. You're giving up that running back, but you still have the dead money. He still works against your cap at least through 2022. So anytime somebody brings up the discussion to me, I'm like, if you look at the numbers or you're a fantasy football person, yes, Tony Pollard gives you more bursts and he's going to get you more fantasy points if we're looking at just these two well told. But Ezekiel Elliott is a more complete back and he allows Tony Pollard to have the burst and have the games that he has because Ezekiel Elliott is on the field and he's typically getting a lot of attention. Michelle, the, the legitimate question to me is not about the roster, it's about the playing field. Should there be less Zeke and more Pollard in terms of snaps? Well, like what I was saying earlier about the coaching staff using guys in the right way on, on the defensive side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball has to do the, the same thing, and they have through the first two games. You know, I mean, it's it's fun to react about this stuff. I mean, we're two games in, and it's get rid of Zeke. Kellen Moore is the head coach, like you know. And, I mean, <laughs> that's right. But I will say, so to answer your question, though, I think, I think that, I think you're foolish if you just come out with a set plan for. Well, for the next 15 weeks, this is what we do. No, every single team you do something different against. Maybe you put out more Zeke against this team. Maybe it's more Tony Pollard. You know, that was the difference between these first two games. You know, you don't think you do you think that Tony Pollard had a really good week of practice and we need to get him out there against the Chargers? No, it just that matchup fit better to get him out there. That didn't fit going against the Bucks, who they knew that they were gonna have to throw against. Hot hand theory, just like in basketball. He was the hot hand. And especially, you know, when you've got Joey Bosa, he's a great pass rusher, but they leave something to be desired on the edges in the run game. And they attacked that. And they attacked it with Tony Pollard, who's like you said, bounce it outside, great burst. That's that's what worked for that particular game. And and you mentioned the long I, I did write about that yesterday. Like Mike told us in training camp this was gonna happen in mm-hmm. certain situations. I want Zeke fresh for December and hopefully January. Tony's good. We need to play Tony more. But let's let's you know take some load off of Zeke. He's got he's averaging like 280 carries a, a season for his first five years. That's a lot. Yeah, especially lot. with the way the schedule sets up. Like as much as we sit here and want to analyze every game, like 
for them, what matters is that last month of the season because the way the schedule is, that's when all the NFC East games are. That's when they need Zeke to be at his best. That's when they need this team to be as healthy as they possibly can be, playing their best ball. That's what that's what Tampa had success with last year. They certainly weren't clicking early in the year, even middle of the year. And that's what the Packers had success with when Mike, well, Mike McCarthy won the Super Bowl. And, and it's it's not as easy as people think it is. Um, and I'm going to – well, first of all, I wanted to say this. Uh, back to my buddy Kalishaw who wrote a column to, to sort of eat at me because him and I had this conversation a million times on ESPN because he had a vision of Pollard very early, and I would just not put up with it. No, Zeke, You would have if Zeke went to Michigan, though. Maybe. He's my running back. <laughs> I get it. See, he, when you win me a national title. I get it. But, but uh, Kalashaw's column wants more Pollard. I get it. He, he's telling me secretly, told you so, told you so. And I had to text him and say, yeah, I hear you. But uh, he had a great stat in there where besides his first game ever, his rookie year, every time that Pollard gets 12 carries or more, he pops. Every time. One, two, three of them are 100-yard games. Um, but it's not that simple because, like you said, Zeke is a more complete back. Zeke, when he was young, he would run inside and then he would pop it outside and break the game. Maybe he can't do that anymore. He may be a little past his threshold of being able to pop it outside and go 80. So Pollard can do it. But you, but the personnel has to be out there where the defense knows the personnel is out there. Zeke could hide it and then do it to you. That's what the good complete backs do. Now you need Pollard for those kind of hits. You also needed Zeke to be... Uh, helping protect Dak in that first game against that loaded defensive front, they would not have loved to have Tony Pollard have to be in there and blocking mm-hmm. all the key blocks that Zeke True. had to make in that game. And of course, I know everyone listening is going to say, well, we don't pay $90 million for, <laughs> for a, for a fullback blocker. Yeah. F- fans really should forget about the money. I've been saying that for years. They can't yeah. do it. Well, and I think the other thing that stands out to me is, you know, John, you were kind of touching on it. Wasn't the one problem we had with this offense for the longest time was it was so vanilla, it was so predictable. And to your point, we were having this conversation last week, and there was this thought that they probably were not going to run the ball. They were going to air it out. This is going to be a high-scoring game. And I told you guys, I, I said— they'd be from behind, them. I told you guys, I said, I, said I think that they're going to run the ball more this week. And I think the reason why they didn't run it the way they wanted to was because of that defensive front. So one of the number one run defenses in the league— uh, the other thing that I would bring up to your point about has he lost some of his I don't, I would, zoom zoom or is it his instincts or is there a hesitancy Bob, swagger? Well, Bob Sturm, your boy over at uh, the Athletic, I thought wrote a really interesting article. When you look at the routes that they're running, his interpretation of it, based on the way he was seeing these guys running their routes, was it does seem like there's a little bit of a hesitancy or a deliberateness about the way he's running. And I don't know what that is. I'm not a running back. Maybe I'll ask Zeke this week about that. Hey, is there any hesitancy uh, in the way you run these days? I think it's 1,700 carries and well, pounding. That'll do it. And and I, I said this last year when J.K. Dobbins broke one for Baltimore. That's what Zeke used to do. Mm-hmm. It's about youth. I mean, he's been running. He's such a good inside runner, and people don't get that about Zeke. Those inside runs change football games when they're done properly. And what they do, too, is they wear down a defense, theoretically, for the second half, and then you bring in Tony Pollard, and he's popping off an eight-yard run. They're tired. Yes. That's (laughs) that's what Zeke can do. Like, I don't think fans can take money out of it. I don't think they can. But if you do – 
this whole thunder and lightning thing is not a bad idea. The whole Ron Dane, Tiki well, Barber thing. That's kind of what they may have going. But Mark you have Ingram to and Alvin Kamara did very good. The whole boom and zoom thing in New Orleans. That's and it. I think they kind of tried to do that with Latavius Murray and Alvin. But Latavius was no Mark Ingram. And so when I look at, because I cover the Saints too, I look at these two very much like I looked at Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. And it wasn't a bad duo when it was working. Hmm. Uh, I, I just wonder how defenses won't know it. I don't know if we've ever seen Pollard as an inside runner. So, well, if, that's if my he, next question. If, he's, if you get if enough he's in the game on Tony Zeke, Pollard, can you figure him out at some point? Well, that's I mean, what I'm saying. Right. If, if Zeke's not out there with him, he's not going to run it inside. So that seems pretty easy to figure out what, what they're going to try to do with him. That. But Yeah, but if, let's not act like they're just lining these guys up in the backfield, running some 1965 offense. I mean, look at true. some of those handoffs that Tony Pollard, yeah. he was coming on sweeps and things like that, that on different plays, you can play off of that. If a defense is doing something to react to that, you don't hand it to them on that, on that jet sweep. And then you throw to the other side. I mean, true. Dak has done that plenty of times. It's not like it's a traditional, like... Well, Tony's in the backfield, so they must be giving him the ball. Like, there's a lot of pre-snap movement that keeps keeps defenses on their toes. So i i don't th- I don't think that there's going to be this. Oh, well, now they've got them all figured out. Like, I just first of all, I don't think defenses are that good anymore. I really don't because there's just a, so much of a variety of offense thrown out there all the time it's hard. that everybody's <laughs> no, right. doing such wild yeah. different things. True. That it's like a video game, man. Right. Kyler yeah. Murray is in a video game. What, what he does. I said that last week, I think. Yeah, he did. But like, nobody's getting shut down. Me. John is literally on your curmudgeon like, trajectory. Like it's, And I didn't say oh, that my? well with my lisp, but it's literally happening. But your teeth look perfectly <laughs> alive. <laughs> they really do. More on Jane's teeth, maybe, uh, coming up in a minute. Michaud is here. Slater Jane is here. Rob Phillips is here. I'm Steve Dennis. It's Media Mash. Speaking about showing some teeth. John Fossil showing too much? (laughs) Maybe? Uh, Can't wait to hear you guys on that. Next. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. Before you can park yourself in front of the game, park yourself in a John Deere and power through your chores. Our Land Run package is a 1025R, 25-horsepower tractor with a loader, rotary cutter, and a box blade for $229 a month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. So don't miss another kickoff. Visit unitedagandturf.com. Offer ends February 1st, 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now let's get to work. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. 
That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Back, back, back to back. Media Mash. Media Mash is the name of the show. Four o'clock on both Wednesday and Thursday. Um, and today is the bonus Wednesday. What is tomorrow again? The workload Thursday? Is that what McCarthy said? Sounds about right. Workload, so we're going to have to put our boots on uh, to do this show tomorrow as they get serious about the Eagles for Monday night. Slater's here. Michaud's here. Phillips is here. Um, my old buddy John Jacques Taylor uh, wrote a pretty <laughs> strong piece of work uh, that, you know, Jane was talking about, okay, what are the money ramifications of Zeke no longer being on the on the roster? And now Jock is saying that John Fossil is going to get McCarthy fired. And and I, I I wondered because I thought his comment, and let me let me give it, when he uh screwed up on the fourth and twenty and decided to go after the punter and cost the Cowboys points before the half. Uh I think Cowboys fans aren't the play it safe types. I was going to give them what they wanted. I hope they're happy. I enjoyed the comment personally. You did? <laughs> yeah, we let were, me also say he's though. He's not that wrong. Yeah, let me just say though that context that you need context because there's some people that I had talked to that just read the quote and were just like, "Man, what an arrogant response." But like if you know John Fossil, not that like we're buddies, but I've been around him enough to know his personality, like there's a lot of sarcasm and joking that goes into that. That's not really how he is. There was just a good as good of a chance as him coming up there saying that as him walking up to that podium and going, Yeah, guys, I know I shouldn't have done that. that was ridiculous. <laughs> like he is very candid about a lot of things. He's not the type that comes out there and just goes, Yeah, well, I coach in the NFL. You don't. I did the right thing. I don't really care right. what you think. Or it, like that's See, not him. It stuck me as being sarcastic, yes. and I was trying to figure yeah. out what did he mean by it. I don't think so. And what he was doing was he was he was taking the blame off of him and putting it on Cowboys fans. No, see, I didn't interpret that <laughs> way. I didn't interpret that way. I think I think for the longest time around here, a lot of the fans hated that this regime under Jason Garrett played it so safe. This they haven't played it safe, and it hasn't really paid off in some situations for them. I mean, you kind of heard Jerry Jones saying on 105 through the fan this week, you know, he doesn't want it to be that wild and loose. Jerry Jones is saying that, right? He wants it to be a little bit he, more, buckled little up. Like bit more to buckled be a little bit more conservative. But Going I back think to Arkansas was, days, right? You know, but I more think about the fundamentals, broom handle stick behind your back. You but know? I think he was being, t- and to your point, I think John's a little goofy. I mean, you certainly saw that when he brought up his vasectomy. I actually joked with them about that. I was like, "What did your wife think about?" It? He's like, "Well, just better to ask forgiveness than permission." It was, you know, she was fine with it after the fact. So I think that is a perfect example of him having a little fun with that situation and trying to infuse a little bit of fun here you know there's just some people that try to inject humor in awkward situations mm-hmm. i felt like that's what he was doing mike mccarthy has done that i mean how many times has he been up on the podium and said things were like that just didn't land the right way i think it's really easy to judge people for what they say up on a podium yeah unless you're in that position right so what was your reaction i thought he was serious because he said it more than once but i think i think more than anything he was pissed off that they didn't that they called the penalty because I, he didn't think it was a penalty because i think if you go back and look they might have tipped the ball before they struck the kicker which punter which would have been clean block he was pissed off about it more than anything you and, and he's not going to st- he's not going to stop being aggressive 
He's just not. Or at least trying to talk McCarthy into doing those kind of things. That's who he is. That's who he's been for his whole career. Well, he had a couple coach. of pretty big snafus last year uh, with that mentality. Aggression is, is great. But when it's fourth and 20, all you want is the ball back and a chance to get points before the half. No, make, So that's a horrible time for aggression. Make no mistake. That's two weeks in a row, too, because week one, we talked about the, the threshold for field goal range. He goes with a 60-yard kick with Greg Zerline right before halftime, and the GOAT is sitting there like, yeah, I'll take the ball at midfield. And they got lucky there. And they got lucky in this game, too, that they clanked it off the upright. The problem but I really su- had with that. Oh, go on. What I was just going to say to suggest that John is, is going to be one of the lone reasons that Mike McCarthy gets fired. I didn't read the article. But if you want to knock Mike, he has made some questionable coaching decisions in his time here. Sometimes I don't quite understand what all the coordinators do. I don't know what Ben McAdoo does. I like Ben. I don't know what he does. So those things, I think, could affect him. But I think it's I think it's a stretch to say John Fossil alone is going to be the reason he doesn't have a job. But what's going to be the, I can help you because well, I, I was going to say think, the reason why he's not jo- going to have a job that, Go ahead. in the future. I, I don't know if you guys have touched on this enough. Tony Romo is very close to Jerry Jones. I don't think it's any coincidence that he just threw out that Kellen Moore is going to be a hell of a head coach somewhere. I just wondered to myself why he felt the need to bring it up. Because you know we're all going to be talking about it, and then to put Mike McCarthy in a position of having to talk about that, right? Well, I just I thought that was interesting. And then the question came up after week one, and Kellen actually has to answer it. But there's no secret. I mean, Kellen Moore is Jerry's next Jason Garrett. We've all known that, right? Kellen Kellen would have been asked that this week, regardless, because he interviewed with the Eagles in the offseason for their head coach. Oh, yeah, that's a good. Point. So he yeah. was going to be asked about that, regardless. But yeah. but Tony Romo is not doing the situation no. any favors because people know how if Michael Irvin or Tony Romo say things, right? They didn't just pull it out of the sky. Is my point. Yeah. No, it was very interesting they said that. Uh, about the uh, special Although, teams play, though, my issue with it, too, is that all teams are not created equal. And this team's heavy, heavy, heavy strength is not just their offense, um, but their franchise quarterback. And with two minutes to go, just give him the ball back and let right. him operate, right. please. Like, we don't need it to be running into – like, don't even put your guys in that position because, uh, yeah, was, did it look like there might have been a holding there? Sure. There's also three guys from the Cowboys running full speed at this punter. There's a chance that something can go wrong. You can trip some. Don't even put yourself in that position. Get the ball. Take the Agreed. two minutes. You had timeouts left. Right. Get, get up the field and, and – and, and, Speaking of Kellen Moore, he's the one that should have been running 100 miles an hour, uh, how, what, however long it took him to get in Fossil's face and go, what are you doing? Get the ball back to my quarterback. I mean, From the way Fossil describes it, that's his call. He has the call on that, like what he wants to do. Well, Mike McCarthy also says Kellen has the call on offense, so maybe to your point. He gives full autonomy to all of those coaches, yeah. which also gives you culpable deniability at the end of the season right. when well, things don't Well, go that's well. Jock's point about getting McCarthy fired. His point is that McCarthy needs to have some control over that. But to Jane's or point, he's though— gonna, He's going to helplessly get fired because Fossil has complete control over these kind of bad decisions. So maybe his point was McCarthy should have a little talk with his special teams coordinator and go, all right, let's, let, let's not— just decide crazy stuff whenever it pleases. You know what I mean? Just but to like James he should point, have had a talk with his defensive coordinators right. last year when things were going Ex- south. Exactly. Uh-huh. Like he's not going to get him. He's not going to get Mike fired. He would get himself fired. That's exactly what happened last year. Yeah. So to Jane's point, yeah, I don't understand how that would affect Mike. That could that it could affect Mike to where they're like, yeah, Mike, um, we're going to have to. You're going to have to get a new uh, special teams coordinator. Like 
it, that that could potentially happen, sure. I mean, that's what happened with the defensive coordinator position in the offseason. But I don't think that that – I mean, it depends on how far we're down the well, road. Well, you guys here. know Coach Fossil, so you tell me. I mean, I think he probably got wind of Jerry's comment on the radio. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's <laughs> And no he's question. probably thinking, oh, okay. I definitely think John is – I think a lot of these coaches on there are the type that do keep up with social media and what is being said. I don't think he cares, though. Like, that's his style. That, that's that how he's always style. been. I it's mean, not, what? it's not going to change either because it's not just. But it is different when Jerry's making a comment. It, it is, but. <laughs> it's different. But his style, his philosophy is not only to run those plays, but to put it in the back of somebody's mind during the week. Hell, they might do something crazy. Might do something mm-hmm. wild. Okay, that, that's part of his philosophy. Okay, it's in everybody's mind. They watched the tape from the first two games. Let's chill out on that. For He's the like next a three crazy ex-girlfriend. I don't know what she's gonna do. I mean, she's <laughs> wild. All I kept thinking though is when he was joking about Micah Parsons wanting to play every position. I wanted to be like, don't get any ideas. Like, if you've already asked him to do enough, the last thing that this coaching <laughs> yeah. staff could could have happened to them is to use their best defensive player. On some special teams play and get him injured, the that wedge. would get everyone fired. Well, and also let's factor in uh, if if you're really concerned about the special teams, it might be there might be some behind the scenes where Brian Anger can't throw the football. And why I'm bringing this up is because if he can, we saw what he did with Johnny Hecker. That was one of the things John Fossil was known about was how often Hecker would throw the football out of these punting situations. Yeah. It might be good that Brian Anger can't throw <laughs> because it could get even more wild. Like he's not. There's never a shortage of ideas with John Fossil. He has tons of different scenarios <laughs> and, and that, things like that. And that's the thing. Like, how many things does he come up with that Mike's like, no, no, we're not going that. Judging you know? by what we've seen so far, I would love to know the ones that are told, like, no, we can't you do that. You know what, though? As time goes by, I said this the other day, the fake punt against Washington, I think all of us saw that and we're like, my God, what, what, why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why? unless you're... Just a, horrible. A, unless you're... But just... I, Mike rationalized it you know, by saying well, this team was was broken with injuries, we had to, we weren't going to win that game straight up. So, well, yeah. after that play, yeah, no. you definitely weren't going to win that well, game. So about... it's not it's not fossil going rogue. I, mean, I this, just want to know how collective. much stats are actually playing into wins losses for this team with Mike McCarthy, or or, or does it go back to fill of the game? You know, we keep hearing so much about st- how has the statistics really helped this the team analytics. So far? The, yeah. the genius analytics. Uh, we got about eight minutes here. As much as I'd love to hear about Jane's crazy ex-girlfriends in, in those eight minutes. Instead, my ear from what you just... start rumors now. What you guys... <laughs> I was like, where's this going? I mean, I'm not there yet. Well, she just said it. <laughs> it reminds me of my... Uh, of not yours, but a crazy ex-girlfriend. Um, do we already have a Wade Phillips, Jason Garrett situation here to... Two games in where Kellen Moore's answering questions about being the next head coach and McCarthy's just sitting there listening to it. You could you take this, Rob. I wasn't here for that. Oh, for what uh no, I don't think it's the same thing. And uh, let me let me I put mean, it on this level then before you continue. J- when Garrett in the beginning, it was who gets blame, who gets credit. And if Garrett is sought after by another team will jerry make sure and keep him same question with kellen if this offense is as great as this offense is going to be and a team is going to make a play which you just mentioned he had an interview already in the offseason is jerry going to let kellen Moore go mm-hmm. to another team see it's the same conversation we had with old wade and garrett years ago well poor mccarthy just has to sit there who gets the credit is McCarthy ever going to get the credit if this team jumps out to a 9-1 and one record? Or is it going to be Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn? 
That's a great question. Put you on the spot there. That's a great question. I, I, to me, I don't view it the same. Jason Garrett was like part of the family when he, when he. I mean, he was here for twenty years, and then he got the offensive coordinator job. Dad, and dad worked for the team. Dad worked for the team. Like I just, I, I view it through a different prism. That being said, they had absolutely no intention of letting him go last year. You know, the Boise job came open, Eagles job, and to your point, Jason Garrett had, I think it was Atlanta and Baltimore, Baltimore turned both of those down. You Sean know. Payton almost went to Raiders. Remember yes. that? Yes. They paid him handsomely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think Kellen looked good in all white in the family portrait. Oh, my mm. God. <laughs> what if Jerry thinks he is the next Sean Payton? See, I thought there was weird foreshadowing already at camp. Remember, I think I might have side texted you this, Michelle, and we were sitting there because uh, that's what reporters do from time to time. Never. <laughs> um, we used to talk. You guys text. Yeah, but we go text. ahead. Uh, and then we delete the text messages. Uh <laughs> There was that moment up on the podium, and I don't. I think it's when he was talking about Barry and Jimmy, or something along the lines. And there was this awkward like moment where they were talking about a coach in the wings, and Mike McCarthy was up at the podium. Do you guys remember this? Uh, I mean, I was there for it. I don't remember. And that I just kept bit. thinking, man, if this comes, if this comes out, that's going to be the clip all of us in the media play back. <laughs> that and these comments from Tony and Kellen Moore this week. I just I think my my biggest wonder is to your point you've just asked all three of us beat reporters who've covered this team the last 2 years I don't know what I assign success to this team to Mike for I have a couple of examples of their failure because of him I don't know if I have notable examples of success as a result of him. Defensively, I don't know who made the Dan Quinn suggestion or what necessarily got Dan Quinn here, but Dan Quinn is single-handedly turned around that defense with the help of guys like George Edwards. Facts. Looks promising. Correct. Uh, when I look at offense, you know, he Mike McCarthy straight up told me if you, you know, if you install it, you call it. Basically saying that's all him. Okay? So then when I also look at what gets this team going from a raw-raw standpoint, that's Dak Prescott. So tell me then what exactly Mike is responsible for. Now, I don't know everything. I'm not a player on this team. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not privy to the discussions with personnel. But I don't hear anybody, when people asked about Dan Quinn this summer and their short amount of time with him, think of all the descriptors and the adjectives used to describe him. Have you heard that many people come out and say as much about their head coach? I'm not trying to stir things up here. I'm just no, saying. No, but I'm I would the, say— I'm the one that made you. I, would, I made you stir. I would say the two things that stand out to me. One is that whether you think he's doing it directly or indirectly, there's no question he's made this team much more aggressive on both sides of the ball than it, than it was for the previous decade. It's, they're much more aggressive. Special teams, offense, defense, they take chances, uh, and they are much more willing to adjust and do different things. The other part is— that also kind of that kind of trickles over to the draft, and I do like that the way that they've drafted with him as head coach. You can clearly tell that he's allowed them to go after the best player that's there, as opposed to well, we got to get the best player that fits this this system of what we're doing, and and it's allowed them to get uh, some players that could end up being really key pieces that. I don't know that we necessarily saw a lot of that in the past. Now, there were good drafts and things like that, but was there the development and where these key players are stepping up? And again, it's still pretty early, but those are the two areas where I will say that are different than the previous regime. Well, is that Mike or is that finally letting Will McClay and his staff have more autonomy? In other words, is that another example of 
I'm going to stay in whatever my lane is. Sure. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think this is a discussion for any coach who doesn't call the defense or the offense. True. Who's the CEO type. I mean, that was the Jason Garrett thing. Killed Absolutely. him for a walkabout coach. Walk, yeah. Got yeah. Killed about. Well, you're, you're typically coach. a coach who have, well, wait, he did win a Super Bowl. It's usually Super Bowl winning coaches that can be the walkabout coach with tremendous respect and snap their fingers. And uh, I guess McCarthy is that. But think how involved when I think of like some of the league's best coaches, Pete Carroll, John Harbaugh, uh, even Cliff Kingsbury at a young age working with the offense. Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin. Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin. Think how involved they are. And there is no question the Bucs stops at those guys and they are heavily involved on at least one side of the ball. I don't know that. You know, I know Doug Nussmeyer. I know Kellen Moore. I know they're heavily involved with offense. We clearly know John Fossil's heavily Mm -hmm. involved with special teams. It's no question, Dan. So I just don't know. And again, I am not trying to trash Mike McCarthy. I just don't know because I haven't been told or seen. Well, and 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 by the way, the play that drove me crazy at the end of the game, whether the clock went off or whether a cart got in front of Kellen's I, eye, the, yeah. the fact of the matter was neither one of them was ready to call a play. I mean, Pollard is just slowly walking back to the, to the huddle. Yeah. They were not ready to call the next play. And that is... Any offensive coordinator is going to have something in a in a quick fashion to get eight to ten more yards. But period. It was field goal range, though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was. They were in field goal they, range. They were already. happy where they were, yeah. which is very odd at fifty six. But Zerline came through for them. Uh, but we're just mashing it around here, by the way. They're, yeah, we're not none trying of to this, stir things yeah, none up. Of this, this is isn't, this isn't mash stew. It's yeah, just we're just chatting. We're just wondering. Um, Kellen Moore is going to be a head coach, so Jerry's going to have to Jerry Steven the 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 whole regime is going to have to go through that again. Do we really want this guy to go coach somewhere else? Because think of the ones who got away, Mike Zimmer. Sean Payton. Uh, there's another one on this staff that they've let get away. Give me another. Um, Todd Bowles. Todd, Todd Bowles. Uh, you make him the head coach in waiting. Well, I was. Oh, I was, there I was, you go. That works so well. I was it, just thinking, it, hey, McDaniel's it, uh, is not going anywhere in New England. He's waiting for I, whenever I, that changes. I will say you know? it did work out real well at Florida State for Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> it did work out there. You asked me for one. I'm giving you okay, one. Okay, monetarily yeah. sure did. Um, interesting. All right, thanks for letting me chat a little Cowboys football with you guys today. Slater, thanks. We'll see you again I soon. Detention one more for smile my... with the teeth. There you go. <laughs> Man, those things are aligned. Was a drill involved? Was it zzz? Do they have to... Oh, it's like it's nightmare fuel. Look at that close-up. Time... Look at that. Close up. Look, it's, look at those look teeth. At that. There we go. <laughs> awesome. Oh, my god. Even when I go in there, they put like this like saw to like give it space. You know what I promised yeah, myself, Slater? I was in local TV for 32 years, mm-hmm. and I promised when I hit the age of 60, I would not have a cosmetic care in the world. Because well, you're lucky the... you have a wife who loves you, Steve. Well, <laughs> well let's do next week's That isn't suggesting that. some kind of work. No, but what yes. I'm saying is I have lived – I'm 60 now. You actually, look good, man. And I don't you care. You don't need it. In TV, you always have to care. I know. You got to put the spoons under your eyes. I actually do have. I have a. Yeah. a you still want to be doing TV when you're 60? Hell yeah, I do. Okay. Sure, she will. I'm okay. like a cockroach. Sure. You know how it's going to be to kill me? Just, <laughs> you'll be the last survivor. Let's go to Slater Live. Wait a minute. There's nobody there to toss to you. Uh, tomorrow, we got Chill, Clarence E. Hill Jr., and Jory Epstein. 
joins the Media Mash Fund. Uh, that'll be our foursome with Nick Eatman tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Uh, Chris Beam, rookie, thank you uh, for your fabulous work as always. Uh, have a good bonus it's impressive. Wednesday. If you haven't done anything bonus-like yet, do it because the coach says you need to. Have a good night. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!